Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What up, CTK Potters? Welcome back to the program. I'm your host, Sky Guasco, joined by a special guest this evening. Bob has the night off. Buck and Bob are going to be coming back at you later on this week. But I've got a good friend of mine who we've been in touch forever, but I have not had him on the show somehow, which makes no sense because we're constantly in contact. He's part of the Commish family. You know that us and the Commish team are very, very closely knit. And Brian is a big part of that. But somehow with schedules and dynasty talk and everything else, we just haven't been able to link here on the TCK pod, although we have connected on their podcast, of course, the Commish Fantasy Football Podcast. My guest tonight is Mr. Brian Leach at Dynasty underscore Addicts. Of course, the host of the Commish Dynasty podcast. Brian, it's great to have you on, my man. And I've had RJ on before. I know he's taking yeah. some time off. You you got kids. I got kids. He got kids. That's the life we're living right now. It's the off season. On this podcast, for the most part, man, we're usually talking redraft. We do talk rookies. We do, of course, cover the NFL draft. We do talk college football, people coming in. But to be perfectly honest, and our listeners know this, we don't have a huge focus on dynasty football and incoming rookies until the NFL draft actually happens. Now, that's only a couple of days away at this point. Once we hit the draft, once our rookies land, once we have new teammates elsewhere, we cover those positions. We cover the guys, the veterans now who might be impacted by those rookies. Of course, we talk about the coaching changes and we do all those other things, but we don't cover too much of that before the NFL draft. So before we even get started tonight, when we're going to be talking some of your favorite rookie picks, some of your favorite incoming rookies for the 2022 season, a couple quarterbacks, a few running backs, wide receivers, and pretty much the only tight end to speak of this class. We're going to talk about who those players are, your favorites at the position, where you might see them landing, where you would like them to land, either for NFL purposes or dynasty fantasy football purposes. But before we do that, Brian, I want to ask you kind of, just a high-level overview, uh, kind of a mentality question, right? Like, I'm a big redraft player. I've been playing redraft fantasy football for 15-plus years, but I've only been playing Dynasty for maybe five. I feel like I'm still learning a lot. I learn a lot from your podcast. I learn a lot from other people in Dynasty. Totally different mindsets if you're deeply ingrained into both of them. So maybe high-level for our listeners who listen to primarily a redraft podcast for the most part until May – what are maybe some oversights for Dynasty? And I'm not asking you to explain what Dynasty is. I think most people that listen here know what that is. But kind of the mentality, the differences between Dynasty fantasy football and redraft fantasy football specifically. And then more importantly, why are we even talking about these players before they land on NFL teams? Because in my opinion, it's a little bit of a wash. We talk up a guy, we're super excited about him, the talent, the talent, the talent, lands in a bad position his situation can get muddy in a hurry. So welcome to the program. I've spoke a lot. I'd like to turn it over to you. <laughs> what what gives us some ex, uh, excitement for these rookies before the NFL draft? And what are you looking for specifically right now after the combine for talent before they land somewhere? Yeah, so with this upcoming rookie class, it's been a lot of like question marks, really. What ifs? We it, This the years past, we've been spoiled. The 2019, 2020, 2021 class, I mean, we saw – Elite level running backs, elite level wide receivers, elite quarterbacks. And this class has been a real kind of downer in that aspect. But what we basically are looking for now pre-combine or pre-NFL draft really is the combine. 
We look at a lot of measurables, how a lot of guys grade out. Um, we use, I particularly use that a lot more for running backs than I do wide receivers. And this is a lot of times when it, analytics, I don't know how, if you, how deep you are into analytics. I am deeper deep. into analytics. Than, okay. Okay. Good. Bob, so, Bob, and, Bob and I are, are, are nerding out for sure. Okay. So analytics right now is the biggest player. You get a sense of what you're going to see of these players. And it really, really applies to running backs. Like we just stated. So what we saw in the combine was. There was kind of coming up to the combine, we saw question marks of who was RB1, 2, and 3. It was a tier, and people had them however you wanted to have them. But post-combine, analytically, now we have a pretty good understanding that most people have Brees Hall, RB1. We're looking for high draft capital in the NFL class draft coming up. And then the wide receivers, I mean, if there's anything for this upcoming rookie class, it is wide receivers. So if your dynasty teams right now, we I've mentioned this on, po- on podcasts, I've mentioned this on Twitter, Coming into this draft, if you're wide receiver needy, you're going to be really excited. If you have a high pick and you need a running back and you got a shot at Brees Hall, you're really excited. And if you need quarterbacks, flip a coin and good luck if you can't get Malik Willis. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And I think that that's my biggest takeaway here when I go to look at, 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 at players pre-draft is you look at talent first, right? Like I'm excited about certain players no matter where they land. Like a couple years ago, right, CeeDee Lamb, uh, we – Love the talent, goes to the Cowboys. Everyone's excited about that because of their offense, Dak Prescott, yada, yada. Jerry Judy, everyone's very, very excited about Jerry Judy, but he lands with the Broncos, who at the time obviously didn't have Russell Wilson, but didn't have a quarterback, didn't have an offense. It was a mess. Everyone's kind of like, ah, oh, damn it. You know, like that's not where we wanted him to land. Certain running backs land in certain areas as well where we're not too excited. But then you, of course, have the other side of that, right? You have CEH who goes somewhere like the Kansas City. Everyone is super excited about him. And then, I mean, he was fine, but he wasn't to the expectation, a quote-unquote Brian Westbrook that people thought he yeah. would be in the Andy Reid offense. So it doesn't always fall the way we want it to. So for me, I want to wait for those players to land, but it's important that we dive into the analytics. I think that's a great option. And you just had a great episode, which I encourage all of our listeners to double back. And, of course, we encourage all of our TCK Paul listeners to support the Commish family and the Commish Dynasty podcast as well and listen to Brian breaking everything down on the dynasty front, you just had a great episode with Heath Cummings, who I've been listening to for years, of course, yes. CBS uh, network as well. Um, great fantasy analyst for years, uh, really a pro in the industry. Um, one thing you said on that, there were many gems within that podcast, but one thing in particular you said that was kind of like high level that I was like, yeah, duh. It's the film study versus the analytics study and certain mm-hmm. players pop off the film, but their analytics aren't amazing. Their metrics aren't amazing. They're not blowing out the combine but you watch them on film you're like this guy's fucking good i don't give a shit what the numbers say this dude's a good football player like and 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 vice versa right you look at a guy who's just an absolute freak you know tears up the combine but then you watch him on film and you're just like looks kind of slow doesn't have the breakout i want you know the the vision whatever so it's really important that you do both of those so i I really appreciate that you put that perspective in it all right brian we got a lot of players to get into so, again, we're going to be breaking down a number of players, two quarterbacks, three running backs, three wide receivers, and a tight end here. And, really, we're going to get your perspective on who maybe your your a couple of your favorites in each position. And I'm just going to kind of introduce that player high level and let you dive into it. But then we're going to have a little fun here and have a little, you know, put on your little, uh, your little, you know, your, your commish cap, if you will, and uh, maybe predict 
where these players are going to land, right? Or maybe not a prediction, but where you would like to see them land to good spot for them, whatever, good coaching opportunity, whatever. I think back all the way, I'm a 49ers guy, you know, passed on Aaron Rodgers, passed on Deshaun Watson, passed on, <laughs> you know, we, we've had all of our things over the years, didn't get Brady twice, whatever. And then we had the Alex Smith experiment. I love Alex Smith as a player, certainly rooting for the guy in life. What he went through and everything is incredible. I love the guy as a person. He brutal for 10 years, but he had seven yeah. offensive coordinators, never had the right person until he went to Kansas City with Andy Reid. Then he was borderline an MVP. So sometimes it's all about where these guys land. Would Tom Brady be Tom Brady if he didn't have Bill Belichick? I'll let Chris answer that another time. But those are the <laughs> questions I ask myself when people land. So without any further ado, once again, Brian Leach joining us this evening at Dynasty underscore Addicts, A-D-D-I-C-T-S, the host of the Commission Dynasty Football podcast. All right, Brian, I'll let you kick it off here, man. Who is your top quarterback in this draft class and why? So it's Malik Willis. I mean, that seems to kind of be the consensus thought right now. He is, when you look at these quarterbacks, this isn't a year where somebody stands out. Like, we're not talking about the Joe Burrow, Justin Hurd. I mean, even Tua. Like, you're not talking about those guys right now. You're talking about what is honestly a crapshoot. Now, what are you going to chase in this QB class? Well, in my opinion, and what from the rumors seem to be, it's got to be upside. You're just going to have to chase a guy who provides you the highest upside. Now, we're going to do the same thing for fantasy. And if you're talking upside and in Dynasty or even in Rejeff, Malik Willis by far offers the highest upside. He has a bazooka for an arm. While it's not accurate, he can throw the ball hard and really deep down the field and really well on the run, and he runs like a lot. So Malik Willis, honestly, it's tiered Malik Willis and then crapshoot, as you've mentioned before, landing spot dependent below him. We just don't know below him. But I'm pretty consensus 102 with Malik Willis right now in Superflex rookie drafts. I don't think there's an argument unless he falls out of the first round, which I just don't see happening for anybody else over him right now. So between his arm between his legs, and if he gets first-round capital, you're talking about Jalen Hurts right now, mm. but with first-round capital in Malik Willis. So he's my far-and-away QB1, and it's not even close between him and anybody else right now. Where would you like to see him land, or where do you think makes sense that he might land in the NFL draft? So my ideal landing spot for Malik Willis is Pittsburgh. Now the problem is, is I do not think he's going to last till 20. So we know a team in the first 10 picks has two, two picks and that's the New York giants and it wouldn't hurt them to trade down. So I see a scenario where Pittsburgh will come up to seven and take Malik Willis. And I think that's the range you're going to see. I think if he doesn't go to Pittsburgh at seven, I think he's gone before 10, like mm. with Seattle there with Atlanta there, like there's quarterback needy teams that need a shot in the dark at a quarterback. And that's Malik Willis at this point. So I think if Pittsburgh wants him, and it's a great situation for him. Like Mike Tomlin, it's a great organization, great coaching staff. Like if there's a rookie quarterback to go somewhere to succeed, somebody with question marks like Malik Willis, it's Pittsburgh Steelers. So I would love to see Pittsburgh come up and get him at seven. I like that fit a lot. Also, I mean, say what you want about Mitch Trubisky and, and jokes, whatever. I mean, even if Malik isn't ready to go, because, you know, you look at combine reports and like the kid's only six feet, 220, which NFL quarterback wise, that's small, right? That's Drew Brees style. Now, far more athletic, but doesn't have the arm, doesn't have the accuracy, right? Might not have the football intangibles per se, but a lot of that can be taught. But if he goes to Pittsburgh, even if he doesn't beat out Mitch Trubisky, 
that's a that's a great similar body, similar style quarterback to learn behind. These guys are professionals, as much as we joke about Mitch Trubisky. Future professional football player can help a guy like Malik Willis, and if nothing else, yep. he can get going about four weeks in. I like that a lot. So good call there on Malik Willis again, quarterback out of Liberty. Let's go to your next quarterback, man. So my next quarterback is Kenny Pickett, and and I want to say this with an asterisk. Right now, my next quarterback is Kenny Pickett because I believe he's probably the only one to go in the top 15, top 20. Now, there's been rumors of Desmond Ritter being somewhere drafted in the early teens. If that happens, this is likely to change. Kenny Pickett is probably, and I said this on the podcast a couple weeks ago with Eric, Kenny Pickett is the most NFL-ready quarterback coming out of this class. Now, does Kenny Pickett do anything special? Not really. He's accurate. He's good. He's mobile. But he doesn't have a strong arm. He doesn't push the ball vertically, and he can't really push the ball outside the numbers. So we're looking at somebody like Ryan Tannehill with Kenny Pickett, which is fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Ryan Tannehill. Is he going to go win you a Super Bowl somewhere? I don't know. But right now, with everything we're talking about, he is QB2 for me. Um, and I think he will be – you're looking at somebody for fantasy and for dynasty, somebody like Mac Jones, somebody who is safe. He'll get you 13 to 15 points a week, and he's a good QB2 in Superflex. Not somebody I would look at and redraft for one QB, but Kenny Pickett right now is a lock for two. Until we see the NFL draft, anything can be changed in the NFL draft. Like like I said, Malik Willis is a lock and loaded tier one pending first-round capital. Whatever happens in the rest of the first round between these quarter packs will really make or break who was QB2, QB3, QB4 in this class. And right now, if I had to bet, I would only say three quarterbacks go in the first round. Mm-hmm. I think Pickett and Willis are a lock. The question is who is number three. And who number three is and where he goes could depend on who QB2 is. Yeah, if you if you look back on, on recent rankings and uh, just kind of a super flex overview mock draft on Fantasy Pros, Matt Corral is also in the mix. Now, I know he's suffered injuries. He may not even be ready to go. He might fall significantly in the draft because mm-hmm. of that injury, but when healthy, there's an argument that maybe he's the most talented of this draft class. Yeah. So so he's in the mix as well, which could really stir things up depending on how well NFL scouts perceive him to be. So he's not on our list today, but I just kind of want to bring him up because he's in that mix in general. Now, Kenny Pickett had official visits with the Panthers, also the Lions. The Lions have the number two pick. They have the number 32 pick. They have two first-round picks. I don't think he falls all the way to the back of the first round. I also don't think yeah. they would take him at number two. Uh, but where do you see or where would you want to see Kenny Pickett land in the NFL draft? I think Kenny Pickett to the Carolina at six is like, there's not a lot of known locks right now in the NFL draft, but I have heard this the most like Carolina only has one pick in the first two days. It, they need a quarterback. Sam Darnold's obviously not the answer right now. They're talking about Baker Mayfield, but if Baker Mayfield does not wind up on this team before the NFL draft, I think it's pretty good betting money. Kenny Pickett's going to be the pick there. And He's got weapons. I mean, he's going to come into a system where he's got weapons. He's got DJ Moore, CMC. He's got a couple of young um, tight ends. I mean, he's got some guys. What will that mean for fantasy? I have no idea. What's that going to mean for DJ Moore? The poor man has been blessed with terrible quarterback play his whole career. Right. I think it it can't be worse than it has been. So I think he's a lock there at six. And if Carolina doesn't take him, I don't think he fall past the Saints. That would be my guess at this point. But I would say Carolina at six. So with your two first two predictions here, you maybe have Malik Willis going to Pittsburgh later or them moving up, mm-hmm. but then Kenny Pickett maybe going to Carolina. So there's a chance that Kenny Pickett might go before Malik yep. Willis, depending on how the draft falls. But if, if you were making decisions, Malik Willis, 
Kenny Pickett, just because we brought him up, and I'm putting you on the spot yeah. here. We didn't prep for this. If he's healthy, where does Matt Corral land within this jumble of, of quarterbacks? I don't need a draft pick or anything, just kind of like rankings-wise, if healthy, where would you slot him in? Matt Corral was tough for me. I So when we talked about quarterbacks on our last pod before Heath, I wasn't a big Matt Corral guy. I thought, obviously, the mobility is great, and he has a cannon. Mm-hmm. Now, he doesn't – I mean, he has a cannon. When I say he has a cannon, like every pass is a cannon. <laughs> you need a little soft dump off screen. It's coming at you like a hundred mile an hour fastball. Yeah. Like he's strong and he's a good runner, but th- his college system worries me. Like it was strictly RPO based, like a lot of slants. And it's just, I don't know how good of a player Matt Corral. I don't know what a ceiling is. Like if I had to say right now, Matt Corral feels like a day two pick, like a mid second round pick to me. Um, Talent-wise amongst this class, I think he's my QB4 right now behind Ritter. Um, but again, I don't I don't like quarterbacks, and I said this on the pod, um, and you kind of reiterated in the beginning, it's hard to talk about these guys before the NFL draft happens. Quarterback is my least favorite position yeah, to try same. to scout because you just don't know. Like To guess that we know more than NFL teams about quarterbacks is just a crapshoot, and they don't even know what they're looking at half the time. So – I don't like to do quarterbacks, but if I had to say right now, Matt Corral would be my fourth. I like it. All right, y'all. We're going to come back in just a minute. First, I want to give a shout out to our friends at Carefactor. We'll be right back with Brian Leach of the Commission Dynasty football podcast right after this and a message from our friends at Carefactor. Hey, TCK Potters and Fantasy Focus community. Are you looking for options for hair loss? There are many options out there for treating it. However, most products treat the cause such as DHT, and don't do much to support the growth of new and stronger hair. It's like removing harmful weeds from your lawn, but not doing much to fertilize the grass. That's why the Fantasy Focus and TCK team has partnered with Carafactor. Carafactor saw this problem and focused their research on finding just the right combination of biosynthetic growth factors and an innovative delivery system to promote fuller, stronger-looking hair. So whether you're a listener who suffers from various forms of alopecia or even stress-related hair loss, the Carefactor treatment is the perfect scalp-friendly solution that can help and influence stronger and healthy hair throughout all stages of the hair life cycle. And now, exclusively for TCK listeners, use the promo code TCK at checkout to get 15% off all products at shop.mycarefactor.com. That's shop.mykerafactor.com. Carefactor, skincare for hair. All right, we're back here on the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. If you have not yet, please subscribe right here to the Fantasy Focused YouTube channel. You can also catch us, of course, and subscribe. Leave a rate and review on the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast anywhere you listen to the podcast. Also, while you're there, make sure to download and visit our friends, the Commish Fantasy Football Podcast and the Dynasty Podcast as well. All right, Brian, we've gone through your quarterbacks. Let's dive into the running backs here. We've buried the lead enough. This one is no surprise. Who is your top running back in this class? Yeah, so it's Brees Hall, right? Like, I I know people want to say, oh, yeah, it could be Kenneth Walker. I, I think the Isaiah Spiller RB1 talk is kind of dead. But it, but it's Brees Hall. Like, he is an early declare. Like, we're going to get a little analytical here. He's an early declare. He had production all three years of college. He ran a 4.39. He jumped a 40-plus vertical, I believe. And he's in, like, 99th percentile in speed scores. Like, He's not Jonathan Taylor on film, but analytically, he's pretty close to Jonathan Taylor. So 
there's not a lot of arguments in my opinion to say anybody above Brees Hall. It's just going to, the one thing that for running backs, it just comes down to draft capital. Like we know the talents there. We know what he's done in college. We've seen it. We just got to see him get the capital. So right now, RB one, no debate to me. He is my one one right now in all formats, unless you are in terribly quarterback DD. It is Brees Hall. Seems to be across the board, but again, I, I go back a couple years, right? I mean, Jonathan Taylor, uh, uh, DeAndre Swift, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, right, is the first guy. So yeah. is – and I don't want to jump the gun too much. I know you got two more running backs coming up. I don't want to spoil it if it's one of these guys. I guess I will just ask you, everybody across the fantasy industry pretty much is Brees Hall number one. Yeah. Would it be shocking to you in NFL terms to have him fall for whatever reason? Or not have him fall per se, but have a different running back chosen ahead of him like we have seen pretty much annually, right? Yeah, so I would not be surprised if somebody was chosen ahead of him. I don't see a world where he falls out of the, the second round. I think all three of these running backs we're about to talk about are second-round picks. Like, if somebody gets taken in the first round, it would be Brees Hall. But if you look at the late first round, there's not really anybody there that needs a running back or his or historically has taken one high. So it seems like Brees Hall will be a second-round pick. I think he's an early second-round pick. But would Kenneth Walker go ahead of him? Maybe does Isaiah Spiller, Isaiah Spiller go ahead of him because of his receiving prowess out of college? Maybe, but it's not it. And it's funny. We talked about this with Heath on the last podcast. Don't let this happen to you. Like if these guys, if one of these guys goes ahead of Brees Hall and it's a couple picks and it feels like a better landing spot, but Brees Hall still lands up somewhere good. It's, it's going to take Brees Hall falling to the third round and these guys going to the second for anything to be discussed. Like just take Brees Hall. Don't think yep. about it. Take him. Yep, and and think about it, man. Talent wins out most often than 100%. not at the running back position. Specifically, think about DeAndre Swift going to the Lions, and everybody kind of threw up in their mouth a little bit. Yep. And Ceh goes to the Chiefs, but again, workload and when Swift has been healthy, it's been no contest. And Jonathan mm -hmm. Taylor's his own animal. But really quickly on on Brees Hall, he's far and away my number one as well. 511 carries and 41 touchdowns the last two years with the Cyclones yeah. at Iowa State. Texans make sense, but they have a huge, like they need somebody fresh because they're running back depth chart right now. Yeah. Marlon Mack, Rex Burkhead, and my boy, the ghost of Royce Freeman, who <laughs> of course still a legend in the Pac-12, but nobody cares because he hasn't played pretty much a down in the NFL, which is very sad. 3.9 yards per carry last year with Najee Harris, but 300 carries. So volume, yeah. volume, volume will happen on a bad team if he can get that guy. So Brees Hall, Far and away, the number one. All right, we didn't get your pick. I don't think uh, you had mentioned he's probably a day two pick. A day two pick, excuse me. Um, where would you see him? Uh, maybe a second rounder. Where would you see Bryce uh, Brees Hall falling? You mentioned it. It's the Texans for me, and I think it's at yeah. thirty-seven. It makes the most sense. Like the Texans have two first-round picks. Their second first-round pick is too high to take Brees Hall. Like if they trade back, maybe, but. 37, it feels like that feels like his floor. I think he's an early day two pick. If somebody jumps ahead of them for Brees Hall, then maybe, but I, I don't think he falls by the contestants up there. And it's a perfect fit. Like, if you liked Najee Harris last year, mm -hmm. like, you can't not like Brees Hall this year. My most liked and retweeted whatever tweet ever was Brees Hall is a better prospect than Najee Harris. And I think he is. So you have to like Brees Hall. It's, it doesn't matter how bad you think the Texans are. I mean, the Steelers were bad offensively last year. Yep. Like you thought the Steelers were good because of the Pittsburgh Steelers. But in reality, Houston offense, Pittsburgh offense, like you throw your hands up. Like they're not going to be incrementally worse than the other. So 
37 to Houston makes a lot of sense to me. Right. And some quick math for anyone that's unfamiliar, that's about the fifth pick of the second round in the NFL draft. Yeah. So even if he falls out of the first round, he's still very high. He's he's yes. almost a first rounder, but maybe on that backside of it. All right. Let's move on here to your second running back here, Brian. So my second running back is Kenneth Walker. And it, the biggest questions about Kenneth Walker right now, it's the most talked about thing on Twitter with him is his receiving prowess. It's just, it never happened in college. Like, they, and everybody says he can't do it. Or everybody else says it's the scheme. I don't know if you're familiar with Campus to Canton. It's a database. You can basically track these players' production from high school until their senior year of college. and Or four years out from high school, I believe. And if you put Kenneth Walker on the median threshold, at no point has he ever surpassed it for the threshold you need to be considered, I guess, a receiving back during that period of time. So what does that mean for Kenneth Walker? Does it mean he can't catch the ball? I'm not going to say that. Like, he looks good at the combine catching the ball. I'm sure he can probably catch the ball at the next level. Will he be used that way because he wasn't in college? I'm not going to say that either. But analytically, he's a good profile. He ran a 4.39. He has a good speed score. I like Kenneth Walker for fantasy if you don't have high expect like if you're not going to say well he's young and he ran a 439 and he gets day 2 capital he's a top 12 dynasty or no he's not not yet let's let's slow down here like we've seen guys like Nick Chubb like Derrick Henry the elite runners have good seasons like that's in his wheelhouse but without the reception ceiling it's just it's there's a lot of questions with him in that department so he's pretty comfortable in my RB2 right now and I don't see a scenario like I said, unless Brees Hall falls in the third round where Kenneth Walker would go ahead of him. Impressive season last year for Kenneth Walker at Michigan State. 1,600-plus uh, rushing yards and 13 touchdowns, 6.2 yards per carry. Now, in college, a college, a lot of that, a lot of those are inflated, but nonetheless, I mean, anything over four in the NFL is good. Anything over five in college is good. This man's a 6.2 um, leading the way there. 211 pounds at that 4.39, as you mentioned. So he gets running. Nobody's going to want to be in front of him. You yeah. had mentioned, though, just 13 receptions last year. You know, Nick Chubb didn't catch much in college, comes out of here. A guy like Sonny Michelle did catch a lot at Georgia, isn't in the pros, right? So sometimes yeah. those, those things don't always weigh the other way. But if he gets a little bit of workload and he gets, um, you know, that high, uh, high volume there as well, which he could depending on the team, that would be great. Najee Harris last year led the NFL in targets to the running back position. Insane. 94. 94 for a running back who, who doesn't catch the football, quote-unquote, coming out of Alabama there. So Kenneth Walker, number two, where do you see him falling? Uh, the Bills. Uh, the Bills at 57 makes a lot of sense to me. Um, now this is kind of – 57 would be saying he's going to fall a little bit in the second round. But if he lands in Buffalo, I mean, you're talking about – a very ideal situation for running back. We saw at the end of last season, Devin Singletary finally come on as a fantasy uh, player, but Kenneth Walker will walk into that backfield and it will be his. And with that high level offense with Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, I mean, there's a very good floor for him. Just rushing, just rushing. Now, if we see any passing sprinkled in, it's just a bonus. So I Buffalo at 57, makes a lot of sense to me, and I think that's a real possibility. Man, he's kind of like Devin Singletary talent with Zach Moss body, which would be sweet. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yes, that's, that'd be nice. That's kind of what we wanted in, in Buffalo for a couple of years and haven't been able to get it. And look, say what you want about Brian Dable and not running the last couple of years with Josh Allen. A, that's not true because Brian Dable does have a great resume of running backs. 
But also, Devin Singletary was the number one or two, depending on her scoring setting, with uh, Rashad Penny last year over the last five weeks of the season. Yes. So we could see that in Buffalo. I like it. I just don't think he's going to last that long. All yeah. right, Brad, before we get to the wide receivers, let's get one more running back in here. So the last ones I say is Spiller. Um, listen, the things with Spiller is we all were waiting for the combine. Like his tape is good. He was a very good player at AM. But the combine 40 crushed him. He ended up at his pro day, he ran a better 40. He ran a 4.63, which isn't, I mean, Le'Veon Bell ran a 4.6. So we're not talking about something earth shatteringly bad here for Isaiah Spiller. He's going to come down to draft capital. Like, if there was a back that we talked about that would have a real receiving prowess, it is Isaiah Spiller. And this is where there can be a discussion at RB2. If we see Spiller go ahead of Walker or get into a good landing spot, I mean, or get better capital, he's going to be probably RB2. I was really early in the process. I liked Isaiah Spiller a lot. I still like Isaiah Spiller, but it will be very capital dependent. So for right now, he's my RB3 in the class. I like that. I'm going to throw a, a kind of a nerd term at you for dynasty people. Age-adjusted production kind of as a, a critical metric. And, and essentially that means like how old, what year in college are they when they start producing basically in layman's yeah. terms. Isaiah Spiller has kind of, I wouldn't say fallen off, but he's been a little bit less impressive compared to what we expected after his freshman year. Freshman year at Texas A&M, as a freshman, true freshman, he had 20, uh, 10 rushing touchdowns and finished 16th in the nation in yards after contact. So obviously very impressive in his own right, making people miss and scoring touchdowns with Texas A&M. And, you know, he, he was fine moving forward, back-to-back 1,000-yard -back rushing seasons and 100 missed tackles, very impressive, but we will see. Again, this could be one of those guys who didn't show up for the combine. People kind of go, oh, shit, maybe he's not the talent, and then you put pads on him, you put him in between the lines, and the dude's going to crush. I personally think that'll happen, um, yeah. but we'll, we'll see what happens with Isaiah Spiller. Where do you uh, see him landing? So I think Falcons at 58 make a lot of sense. Nice. That, that is a they, spot. They need somebody. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and if if he goes to Atlanta, like there's a discussion now at running back too, because it, it's just he walks into nothing. Like the mm -hmm. job is his and the passing downs is his, the rushing load is his, and it's not going to be an offense that's exactly going to lean on the passing a lot with Marcus Mariota. So I love Atlanta for him. I love Atlanta for a back. Like – I'm, I really like Isaiah Spiller there, and I think that's like best-case scenario for Isaiah Spiller. But give me any of these backs here. Now, obviously, if it's at 56 and you see Brees Hall fall there, there's a, something happened. He fell a little bit. But any back that can get to Atlanta in the second round or even in the third round, I, I would like a lot going forward. I like that a lot. And just to uh, – I'm going to kind of reference when we talk about the wide receivers more because your rankings, if you will, and who you're going to mention in order are a little bit different than the Fantasy Pro's recent mm -hmm. mo rookie mock draft. And I just want to mention a couple of these names. Single quarterback leagues, so we don't have quarterbacks flooding okay. the top here, but single quarterback leagues, running back specifically, Brees Hall, obviously. Um, but then they had Isaiah Spiller go before Kenneth Walker, which I thought okay. was a little bit interesting. Wide receivers all over the map, which we'll get to right yeah. now so let's transfer we've had quarterbacks we've had our running backs let's get into three wide receivers here who's your top wide receiver in this draft class so my top wide receiver i feel like has changed every week like it's yeah. been it's been very hard to determine wide receivers are tough you mentioned i don't mean to cut you off but you had mentioned earlier quarterbacks being kind of like the yeah i hate it because things change you just don't really know what you're going to get blah 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 running backs you kind of talent wins out more often than not tight ends are a crapshoot Wide receiver every year is everyone has their rankings set in stone. Like, mm -hmm. I love it. Then they get drafted, and you're like, oh, shit, let's scramble them all up and <laughs> yeah. redo it. So I agree. 
Yeah. So right now, right now, my wide receiver one is Drake London. Um, oh, he ha- he's a monster, man. Like if there wasn't Trojan Evans, wide receivers are animals too, man. I love. Yeah. This. He he's he is a clone of Mike Evans, and he had good production. I believe I don't have player profile up, but he had. When I, when I looked at it earlier, I believe he had a thir- a plus 30% dominator at a, I think, 19-ish age breakout, which is what you want. Like, analytically, wide receivers, you get a 30% threshold and you get it before you're 20 years old, we're going to love you analytically. So, Drake London is a good analytical profile. I think he's the first wide receiver off the board. And I he's somebody that I will be looking to get a lot of in rookie drafts if I can. He's going to be a top three to five fish pick in rookie drafts. He's somebody I want to get up to the get because I think he will be a difference maker at the position. How much are you concerned with or baking in? Because you have him as your number one. I'm going to go through who like, you know, the fantasy pros does and you know, it's not Drake yeah. London. No, I'll no. go into it here in a second, but how much do you worry about midseason injury? Right. We see injuries aren't what they used to be. ACLs, Achilles injuries, whatever, but he played eight games last year. Right. In that eight games, 38 percent target share, which yes, is very yes. Mike Evans isk, uh, Mike Evans esque, excuse me, led all wide receivers in contested catches with 19. The dude's an absolute animal. Six, four, two twenty. The dude's a beast. Right. Michael Pittman was similar at USC a couple of years ago as well. Yep. Um, how do you. How do you uh, consider injuries for these incoming rookies? So. You guys have never listened to me before, but I come from a medical background. Um, I don't typically worry about injuries unless there is a strong reoccurring theme with a player or there's a past ACL, a past Achilles, or a reoccurring thing of soft tissue injuries. That's the only time I tend to concern myself. So am I concerned about London coming into the end? It wasn't. What was his injury last year? I don't I don't remember off the top of my an- head. Ankle injury. Okay, it was an ankle. So I don't, it's that's not anything concerning long term. So I don't have any concerns with his medical medicals coming into the NFL. So just don't just avoid the ACLs and the Achilles and we're just good. Got it. And I love these uh these these player comps here. Kenny Galladay, which obviously had a dud last year, but we saw him ball yeah. out two years ago. And Michael Floyd for you OGs out there. Michael, Michael Floyd oh, was pretty pretty sweet for, for quite a while. All right, I'm going to go over some kind of some breakout metrics and 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 mm-hmm. you know go into some nerd stats here in a second when you get through your third one, but I'll save that for a little bit. Where would you like to see London land? So Falcons at eight oh. makes a lot of sense to me. They need a wide receiver with what happened with Calvin Ridley. He wasn't going to be a part of the team anyway, but Atlanta at eight. And if you're catching the theme so far, Atlanta is very offensive, which I'm of the mindset if you're not a contending team, just build your offense. Just draft offensive players. Once contention comes, figure the defense out then. So Atlanta at eight makes a lot of sense to me. And if he goes to Atlanta, he feels pretty comfortably as wide receiver one, in my opinion. Like it would take somebody really having to come up from a different position. It will take the Chiefs or the Packers moving up for somebody specifically to unseat him. But Atlanta at eight, I'm comfortable with. Well, we know the Packers won't do it, so maybe no. <laughs> maybe the Chiefs will. Man, give my boy Marcus a chance. Please, please I give like Marcus. Marietta. Please give Marcus a chance. I love that pick. All right, man, let's get into wide receiver two. So my wide receiver two is Garrett Wilson. Um, this is this is more consensus than Drake London, I feel like. Whether he's one or two, he's one of the top two. Um, High-level production at Ohio State. He beat out Chris Olave, Chris Olave statistically last season. Um, he's smooth, man. If, I, I don't know if you've watched much Garrett Wilson yeah. film, but yeah. he is nice, incredible crisp route runner. Like 
there's not a lot of negatives to Garrett Wilson's game. Like I am very high on him coming into the process. It He's going to be somebody else. Like, like I said, I love London. I love Wilson. I love wide receivers for this class. If your dynasty team needs wide receivers, this is the year for you. So Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State, I feel pretty comfortable with that wide receiver too. Um, he has a great analytical profile as well. So he's my consensus wide receiver too right now. And he is somebody, I will say this, if somebody moves up for Wilson, if it is, I think the Chiefs could be movers on day one. If the Chiefs can get up and get a Garrett Wilson, all bets are off for anything going forward. Yeah. Like he can, he can easily become wide receiver one depending on landing spot. Yeah, I like that a lot. And we're not going to talk about Chris Olave on the show, but we do have the teammates. And we've seen a lot of mm-hmm. teammates from schools come out the last couple of years um, and obviously dominate. So Ohio State, of course, was a special team yep. last year. And he might be profiled as kind of a slot receiver, just like body type wise, but dude's an animal. I totally agree, man. Like we were talking about Jerry Judy at, at the beginning of the show and similar, just, just gets separation yep. and, and, you know, guys like Adam Thielen have lasted five years longer than he should because he gets separation. Devonte Adams, in my opinion, is the best wide receiver in the NFL because of the separation he gets. And Oh, by the way, he's got a hall of fame quarterback. I get it, but He's unbeatable in the red zone. And when you guys, when you have guys like that, as long as you have an accurate quarterback, you have a great chance. 34% dominator rating ranking two years ago at Ohio State last year, 24%. And he was the 12th highest passer rating when targeted in all of college football. So you throw it to him, he's going to catch the ball. And obviously NFL scouts want that. All right, man, give me your final wide receiver after you tell me where Chris Wilson, or Chris, excuse me, Garrett Wilson, I'm getting home myself. Garrett Wilson might land in the NFL draft. So I think um, the Jets at 10 make a lot of sense. It, it seems like that they're going to take a receiver. It just depends on who is there. Right. And I went back and forth with this, and I feel like Wilson and London are pretty interchangeable between 8 and 10. Like if one goes 8, the other's going 10 and vice versa, I feel like, in the draft. But we saw the we saw the um, Jets go after Tyreek Hill. Like it's very obvious they want a wide receiver. Now my question is, is Garrett Wilson kind of profile similar to Elijah Moore? But – I don't have questions about Garrett Wilson playing on the outside. And I think the NFL has kind of morphed to these quicker, twitchier, faster receivers. Like it used to be the Calvin Johnsons and these TOs and these big outside dominant. That's not the NFL anymore. Like no. we saw Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith last year. Like these guys are starting to become wide receiver ones for their team. So Garrett Wilson to the Jets or Wilson to the Jets makes a lot of sense for me at 10. Yeah. And even his teammate, if he finds himself on the Jets, I mean, Elijah Moore had a hell of a season last year with half a rookie quarterback who was still getting his feet wet, new coaching scheme, whatever. Elijah Moore still put up a pretty good season. And I mean, fantasy darling, right? Almond Ross St. Brown, similar type yeah. uh, wide receiver who blew up last season pretty much as a slot wide receiver, of course, with all that extra work. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go into your third wide receiver. So my third wide receiver is. Third in my heart, I will say that. I don't know if he's third in my head, but he's third in my heart. It's Jamison Williams out of Alabama. I mean, the kid is just a blazer on the field. Like, he is what we would have wanted Henry Ruggs to be coming into the pros, I feel like. He's he's just – he gets open. He uses his body well to get open going down the field. And I there's been a lot of talk about Jamison Williams being a top-10 pick, which I am surprised at – he is somebody we talked about medical earlier. He obviously he tore his ACL and um, he has medicals coming in at the next level. Like that's an issue. But I mean, when right, 
like he's what he he's somebody you can talk about as wide receiver one. Like mm-hmm. he's that good. Now, where does he how high does he go? I I don't imagine he goes top 10, but it's being talked about. So for me, with my heart, I'm just gonna leave with my heart on this one. Jamison Williams, before everything happened with his ACL, I was very much in, on him as wide receiver one of the class. So I'm gonna keep him at three for now. Um out of Alabama. He's my number three. People love speed, man. They do. And I'm not I don't I don't want to jinx him on this show. So I'm gonna knock on wood here. But you know, I mean Darius Hayward Bay, John Ross, Henry Ruggs. Every year we see these top guys. I mean, Henry Ruggs was the first wide receiver drafted in that incredible class. People totally forget about that, right? Because he's fast. Jamison Williams, I think, is more than those guys, but still easily the fastest in this class. Mm -hmm. And I think it'll be interesting to see where he lands and if he is healthy. Alabama wide receivers, absolutely dominant for years and years and years, all the way back to my boy Julio, of course. Just a couple names here, and then we'll get to where you think he might land. Just to just to give kind of the separation of Jamison Williams in this draft class here. Last year, 31% dominator ranking. Anything over like 25 is awesome. Yeah. Anything over 30 is like unnecessary. Uh 1,500 plus receiving yards, 20 yards per reception, 15 touchdowns. So obviously catching bombs, but also that yards after catch, which is so dominant. We saw Jalen Waddle there also recently as well. And then all of these. All of those stats just gave you 1,500 yards, 20 yards per reception, and 15 touchdowns. Top three among this entire class. All yep. of those. So he is kind of the more, the most all-around statistically advanced wide receiver in this class. So we'll see what happens with him. And, of course, he's got to be healthy there. Where would you like to see him land? New Orleans at 16. Makes a mm-hmm. lot of sense to me. They they need another weapon outside of Michael Thomas. I mean, Jamison Williams should play this year. I don't think this will be a redshirt year because of the ACL. That will open up that offense a ton, and it makes a lot of sense. If I'm the Saints, it makes a lot of sense to build this offense now, give Jamison a run. If he's the guy, you sign him to an extension and you play a ball. If he's not the guy, you got pieces set up for an incoming rookie or another quarterback next year. And I don't think at this point we're probably going to see Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis gone. I know there's been rumors of them trade, doing that trade for a quarterback. I don't think that's the case if those two are gone. So Jamison Williams at 16 to the Saints makes a ton of sense to me. Love it. I'm going to throw out this uh, just kind of the first couple wide receivers drafted in relation to how you have them ranked because you didn't mention the number one wide receiver for fantasy pros right now in their most recent mock draft. Again, single quarterback, Traylon Burks. No, no surprise there. He's he's the top of most people's boards out of Arkansas. He was number one. Number two, wide receivers only. Number two was Garrett Wilson, then Drake London, then Jamison Williams. So they have Traylon Burks ahead of all three of these guys. Yeah. Your quick thoughts on that? So I, uh, as of a month ago, I had Traylon Burks tier by himself. Like, but the combine came up. Garrett Wilson, I believe, ran a four three. Like Drake London didn't run. But there have been questions about Traylon Burks, and you watch his tape, and you see what the questions are, like separation, ability to run routes. Like he's raw, but he is so, so, so talented. I don't know. Obviously, we I'm sure you follow Matt Harmon. His oh, perception yeah. perception profile on Traylon Burks was not good. Mm-hmm. So there are question marks with Burks. I think if we're talking highest upside wide receiver in this class, it's probably Traylon Burks. If we're talking lowest upside wide receiver of the top five wide receivers, it is also probably Traylon Burks. So you're looking at a guy that if he's right, you just got yourself the next A.J. Brown. If he's not right, 
then yeah, you got, got white side. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So there is, there's a, he's a big risk reward player. And I will say if he goes high in the draft, if he goes above Jamison Williams, I'll adjust and he'll probably move up. It's a tier amongst those guys. I think Wilson and London are kind of, they're in their own tier, in my opinion. But after that, there is a tier. And I do think that we will see, it just depends. It depends yeah. on where they go in the draft. But I like Burks. I just, there's more question marks with him than with the other three guys. I get it. And question marks. Question marks with Jamison Williams. Yeah. Question marks with Jalen Burks. Everybody else. I will say another wide receiver that didn't grade out well. And Matt, and I love Matt Harmon. I love his work. Reception perceptions. Iconic in the fantasy industry. Mm-hmm. But another wide receiver that didn't grade out well. DK Metcalf. So yes. I'll, I'll put that out there. Before we move on to our single tight end to talk about, I just want to nerd out a little bit. For those of you into numbers and analytics, we talk about hit rates quite a bit. I usually don't cover these until like June-ish when people land, but I want to bring it up while we're talking rookie wide receivers here. Top 6, 12, 24, and 36 pick, right? Hit rates and PPR wide receivers for the first three seasons of a draft since 2011 to 2019. First round, top 6 pick, 17%. Uh, hit that top, uh, hit that top ability. You go all the way down to like the second round, right? And you start falling out of that top twelve in the second round. It's hard to be a top twelve wide receiver, top twenty four wide receiver in PPR over those years. So you're really looking to be a a first round, second round wide receiver for the most part to land on a team, land with a good quarterback and the coaching as well. So when you start getting third, fourth, fifth round wide receivers, yeah. you're going to need a Julian Edelman or an Adam Thielen to really spark you know, before you uh, see that uptick. So you're looking for high upside, high draft capital wide receivers when you're looking at rookies. All right, man, we got one more player to go into. This is kind of the, just the consensus, not Kyle Pitts, but the Kyle Pitts of this Ooh. draft class, which is like the guy to talk about. And let's bring up our one single tight end. I'll even introduce him. Trey McBride, tight end out of Colorado State. Yeah, like there, there's not a lot, a whole lot to say about Trey McBride. Like he's – if there is somebody that is so far above the rest of their position, it's Trey McBride. Like yeah. <clears throat> he's the unquestioned tight end one in this class. I I tweeted this out yesterday. It was I don't I got I'll put on one of these like mock draft trains for a Superflex uh, rookie draft. So I ended up with like I don't know the two hundred seven something like that. I was tight end premium. So I tweeted out that at two hundred seven I'm taking Dynasty tight end one in our hearts, Trey McBride. And I said sorry, Dawson Knox truthers. So he's already a tight end one for me and Dynasty. Nice. He, he ran a four, five, six, 40. He's an elite athlete at a position. And if you guys follow me or if you hear anything about, I am when I, when I want my tight ends, I want freak athletes. Like I no disrespect to TJ Hawkinson. I don't <laughs> like those tight ends. Yeah. Like I want the Kyle Pitts, Darren Wallers, the Trey McBride, the Kasikis. Like I want the freak athletes. Yeah. Those are the ones that have the ceiling to provide you the highest fantasy upside. So with his measurables, his speed scores, it's very obvious Trey McBride is the tight end of this class. Um, and he is in, su- in Superflex tight end premium leagues. He's a high second-round pick, in my opinion. Nice. I like that. And it's rare that you get a Mark Andrews, right, yeah. who is not crazy athletic. He is athletic, and he's very good at what he does. Um, he has great hands is what it is, but he's ultra-peppered in that offense. You know, Hayden Hurst, let's not forget. Everyone yeah. forgot about Hayden Hurst. He was drafted before Mark Andrews on that same team it's rare that you get a, a, a you know non-super athletic tight end like that to uh really spark up quick notes on trey mcbride and we'll get out of here crushed it last year at colorado state won the john Mackey award basically the heisman for tight ends if you will 95 or 94.7 pff grade which is the most you know 
best among tight ends in the nation by far target share on routes run 30%. That's a stat that Bob loves when you're on the field. Are you running routes as a tight end? Yes. That's what Bob, Bob's favorite tight end stat is that one. Trey McBride actually crushed it. 1,125 receiving yards, 37% of the team's total passing yard production. That's tight end. That's insane. It's insane. It's insane. That's he was the offense. Obviously, that doesn't really happen if you're not the Ravens in the NFL, but it could if you're that talented. We'll see Kyle Pitts obviously take a massive leap forward this year. Again, Trey McBride is not Kyle Pitts, but he's no. the Kyle Pitts of this class. He's far and away the number one there. Brian, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. We're going to have to do it again soon. I appreciate yep. you. Thank you for coming on the TCK pod. Before we get out of here, we rep the commission pretty much every episode, whether you guys are on or not. But now you got the actual mouthpiece. Please let uh, my listeners know where they can find all the commission dynasty happenings. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at dynasty underscore addicts. And then you can find our podcast on Google, Spotify, uh, Apple at the commission brand. And we, um, you can find us at thecommissbrand.com. We have articles up there, merchandise. Check us out. Um, and just like us, give us a review. We appreciate you always um, repping us here on the TCK pod, man. It's We really do appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely a pleasure, man. We love all you guys. Appreciate you. Hopefully this year we'll all be able to come out and go, and go to the expo together. We missed you all last year, but hopefully we can meet up, meet in person this year and, and have a good time. But we really appreciate you. We appreciate your work. Thank you for adding extra extra influence and knowledge here and um, content to our dynasty side because we need more of it. We get a lot of ask for it. We'll have to have you on again real soon to bring value to the TCK Potters. Once again, my name is Sky Guasco. You can find me at Sky Guasco, S-K-Y-G-U-A-S-C-O on Twitter. You can find me at Fantasy Football underscore TCK Pod on Instagram. And of course, you can find the Fantasy Focused YouTube channel also streaming on Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter. Leave a rate and review, and please subscribe and hit that bell so you don't miss any future episodes. And, of course, make sure to download, subscribe, and leave a rate and review for the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast anywhere podcasts are heard on the Believe Networks. This episode and all episodes are brought to you by BetOnline.ag and the Believe Networks. For my man, Brian Leach, and the entire Kamish Podcast crew, I'm your host, Sky Guasco. Buck and Bob coming up next. We'll catch you next time. We are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.